neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to establishedinthefaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. We're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 6, finishing out the chapter today. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Revelation chapter 4, we're going to try to finish this particular chapter tonight. Chapter 4 and verse 1, as we have said before, is where we believe the rapture of the church will take place. It also begins the second vision of the book of Revelation. In this verse, first verse here, we see that that voice that John heard was as the sound of a trumpet. Well, in the first vision he had in Revelation chapter 1, it was also the voice of a trumpet. So it is the same one speaking to John and revealing to him things that are going on in heaven. And he's trying to explain what he sees in heaven by using things here on this earth that we're commonly acquainted with and the only problem with that is it's just woefully insufficient to describe the beauty of that place the apostle paul said in first corinthians 2 and verse 9 he said i has not seen nor ear heard neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which god has prepared for them that love him heaven is a beautiful place And John is trying to describe the beauty of that place by telling us uh, things here on earth, liking it to that. And uh, to be honest with you, folks, we're just going to have to use our imaginations. And that's all we can do right now. Now, in this second vision, John saw the very throne of God the Father... Uh, set against an emerald green sky with a rainbow encircled above it. And the only description that John gives about God the Father is that he was likened to a jasper and a sardine stone. Now, there's one thing we have to understand about God, and that is uh, in 1 John 1 and verse 5, John said, God is light. And in him there is no darkness. God the Father is light. And these stones that John likened him to are transparent stones. When light shines through them, the light turns to the color of the stone. Now the jasper stone is a dark opaque green color. 
And the sardine stone is a fiery red stone. So you've got this red and green light that is coming from God the Father. In verse 5 of Revelation chapter 4, it also says, Out from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Picture all of that in your mind if you can. Now I want you to picture all of that reflected off of a sea of glass. As you see there in verse 6, it says, Before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. This, if you would want to call it the floor or the ground level, that's what it is. That is the floor, the ground level. And it is so huge. The expanse of it is so big, John likened it unto the sea. And later on in the book of Revelation, we'll see where there were numerous people The Bible says that you couldn't even begin to number them standing upon that sea of glass before the throne of God. It's huge. And all of that light and beauty is reflecting off of that glass floor. This is something that is absolutely just not on earth. It's out of this world, if you will. And also John saw in verse 4... Of this chapter, he saw 24 seats or other thrones sitting around the throne of God. They're probably in a semicircle. And he also saw 24 elders sitting upon these thrones or these seats. Now, who these 24 elders are, we don't know exactly. It could be anyone from the Old Testament, from Abel. Right on up until whenever the rapture takes place. Someone has said it could be 12 people from the Old Testament. could be 12 people from the New Testament. We really don't know who these individuals are. All we know is that they are saved uh, individuals. Now we want to take a look at something tonight there in verse 6. It's very strange. Uh, Let's pick it up there in verse 6. It says, Before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts. Now that word is an unfortunate translation because when you think of of a beast, you think of something that uh, will attack you. Something that if it gets on to you, it might chase you down and try to hurt you. Uh, something, but uh, that's not what these things are. The Greek word that was translated beast is zoa, and it simply means a living creature. That's all it means. Now, these creatures were created sometime in eternity past. When we think of eternity, we always look at it in the future sense. But God has always existed in eternity past. At some point in time in eternity past, God created these living creatures. And they're not like anything 
here on this earth. John does his best to describe them. He's only able to describe certain parts of these living creatures. We do know that these living creatures existed during the Old Testament times. Uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah in their writings uh, give similar descriptions of seeing these things. Like I said, they're so strange looking. There's nothing on this earth that even comes close uh, to likening it to. All John does is tells us, uh, describes them according to certain parts of them. He said there in verse 6 that they were full of eyes before and behind. He said the first beast was like a lion. The second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man. The fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night. These living creatures need no rest because they're spiritual beings with spiritual bodies. And the Bible says uh, that even they were full of eyes all around. And even when they spread their wings, you could look under their wings and see eyes. One Bible commentator made the statement that eyes are the doorway to the soul. And light speaks of illumination and knowledge. A creature having this many eyes is bound to be intelligent. And you can tell how smart a person is just by hanging around them a little while and listening to them talk, if you know what I mean. Just hang around a person for a while and you'll find out just how smart or not smart they really are. Now, these creatures are saying, if you'll take a look there in verse 8, they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now, that's what they're saying. This is the foundation of all knowledge. We got some of the most educated people in the world. They got more degrees than a thermometer. But they don't know this right here. That God is holy. And in him there is no darkness. There is no sin. God is almighty. He can do anything. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. God can do anything. He can change your situation. When you go to the Lord in prayer, you're talking to the one that can change your situation. He can change the situation of the nation. He can change the situation of the church. God knows how to direct things and change things. He is almighty. God is eternal. He always has been and he always 
will be. And these living creatures are worshiping the Lord. Which is what they were created to do. Now I'm sure there are other functions. But this is the main function. It's our function as well when you get right down to it. Let's take a look at the subject of worship. For just a few minutes tonight. Verse 9 says that when those beasts. Give glory and honor and thanks to him who sat on the throne. Who liveth forever and ever. Stop right there for just a minute. This one phrase. Glory. Honor and thanks. Occurs eight times. In the book of Revelation alone. Now when the Lord says something one time. We need to take heed to it. When he says it twice. We need to pay a little more attention to it. But eight times. In the book of Revelation alone. The Lord mentions this phrase. Glory, honor, and thanks. And I believe we would be wise. To hear what the Spirit is saying. To us as it pertains to the subject of worshiping and praising God. Now, it starts out in that verse, and when. When. The Greek word for when is hotan. It means whensoever. In the case that, or as often as. So in other words, this is not one long, continual acclamation of praise and worship that is going on. It's just whenever the occasion calls for such. There may be times when you're riding down the road in your car and you hear a gospel song and you just get uplifted in your spirit. The occasion calls for you to praise and worship the Lord. You may be at home riding on the lawnmower and the Lord touches you and you begin to praise and worship the Lord. Maybe you're on the job. There are different times, maybe when you're simply reading his word and a verse jumps out at you, whatever the case. It is a time and occasion when we should worship and praise the Lord. But let me tell you this, anytime you come into this place, the church, this place which is set aside for praising and worshiping God, you should be in an attitude of worshiping the Lord and praising God. That is an attitude. But now I can go ahead and tell you, and y'all, y'all experts at it too. The devil hits you the hardest on Sunday morning right before coming to church. I mean, the car won't crank, the tire's flat, Things is just not working right, and, and, and the devil's doing everything in the world he can to get your mind off of what you're going to church to do. How many of you, when you get to church, sometimes you're so worked up 
on what you've had to do and what you've had to put up with, or it's what you've got to do when you get home from church, that you sit here the whole service, you've sit here and got the rest of the day planned out. How many of you have done that? Yeah. Good. I guess all the rest of you just got angel wings sprouting. You've never had that happen before. But the devil's going to fight you the hardest when he knows you're getting dressed to come to church. And it is an attitude that we should have. When we come in that door, we've come here to worship the Lord, not to look at what somebody's wearing or how much they're putting in the offering plate or or any other 101 different reasons that people come. Some people come to church because they're made to. <laughs> How many of you have ever come to church because you were made to? Hopefully you come to church now because you want to. There's a desire to. But my point is, anytime you are in this place, it is appropriate to worship the Lord. Now, you can worship the Lord, and I can look at you and not even tell that you're worshiping the Lord. But now, you can praise the Lord, and I'll always know it, because praise is an outward emotion or an outward movement of the worship that's going on inside of you. When you raise your hand to the Lord, that's praise. When you clap your hands, that's praise. When you shout out amen to the Lord, that is praise. These are outward emotions of things that are going on in your worship. So that's the difference between praise and worship. Praise is an outward thing, and I can see you doing it. Worship is an inward thing. This past Sunday... Uh, when the choir sung the special that they did. Most of the time when the choir sings and they're done, the congregation will, will clap. The song that they sang had such a deep, worshipful emotion to it. All that was really necessary was a simple raise of the hand or to sit there and bow your head in praise and worship, it was totally inappropriate for you to clap your hands at the end of that because of the setting and the mood and the way the Spirit was moving in that service Sunday morning. And in that, I commend you. There are times to praise the Lord and have an outburst of Praise the Lord, or glory to God, or amen. There is a time for that, but there's also a time when we should remain silent. When the moving of the Spirit, especially during an altar call, and people are coming forward to get saved in whatever the case, for someone to jump up and amen and shout, that can be disruptive to a service. But at any rate, that is the difference between praise and worship. It's just such such an emotion builds up inside of you that it begins to express itself outwardly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And like I said, this praise and worship giving 
glory and honor and thanks to God. That phrase is used eight times in the book of Revelation. We need to take heed to that. All right, let's take a look at that phrase a little bit. These beasts, these living creatures, they give glory. Now, what is that? That is simply recognizing God for what he has done. You're giving glory to God for what he has done. As it pertains to you and I, the greatest thing that God has done for us is sending His Son into this world to die on the cross for our sins. Giving glory to God for your salvation because you can't save yourself. But God sent His Son into this world to save us. Secondly, they give honor. That's simply recognizing Him who has done this great thing. You're simply recognizing God. For sending his son into this world to die for us. And thanks. That is something that certainly we all should do. Thank the Lord for the great gift of salvation of which he has given unto us. Verse 10. It says, When the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and Ever. Now, I want you to notice something here. When the four beasts give glory, honor, and thanks to the Lord, you have these 24 elders sitting there who are witnessing these living creatures doing these things, and it spurs on and encourages them to enter in to the praise and worship that's going on. I said all of that to say this. A lot of people are shy. They want to raise their hands and worship the Lord or say amen or glory to God or whatever, but they're kind of shy. They're kind of bashful about it. Or maybe it's the way they've been taught and they're just not used to that. But when others in the church do it, as I have seen some recently raise their hand because of a song or something that was said or whatever the case, it is an encouragement to others to join in and to do the same thing. When someone comes out at the end of a service for an altar call, maybe the Lord is dealing with your heart. Maybe, yes, you're saved, But maybe the Lord's tapping you on the shoulder and he's telling you to come forward. It's not so much for you as it is someone else. You obeying the moving of the Spirit of God could be that little extra oomph that someone else needs to come forward. But they won't do it because of their shyness, because they're bashful, they're they're scared or whatever the case. But I, I have seen this happen in services before where a couple of individuals will get up and come forward and then all of a sudden others will come up too because they see and know that it's all right. This place is a free place to worship and praise the Lord as you see fit to do so. Raising your hands, clapping your hands, 
saying amen, whatever the case, there's nothing wrong with doing those things. Matter of fact, it's wrong when the Spirit is moving and you don't respond and react. You're quenching the Spirit when you do that. And the Bible says, quench not the Spirit of God. But these 24 elders, they join in with what these living creatures are doing. And the Bible says that they cast their crowns before the throne. These crowns are victor's crowns. The only reason that these 24 elders have these crowns is because of what Jesus did at Calvary. And until we realize the great price that was paid at Calvary for our salvation, I don't think we'll be able to praise and worship the Lord as we should. I guess what I'm saying is all of us need to pray and ask the Lord to give us a greater revelation of the cross. To give us a better revelation of what, of the price that He paid for us. Because when we get a, a visual of that, then praising and worshiping God will not be as difficult. We'll be able to worship the Lord as we ought to. Verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord. Again, the worth of the Lord can only be realized by looking at the great price that he paid for us at Calvary. Only then can we realize how worthy God is and how unworthy we are. And the verse says here, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. How many of you know that there is a little course made from this verse right here? Anybody know that? There's a song. It's this, this comes from this verse right here. I heard it when I was a, a teenager. Brother Pete Stone, I'd go with him over to the prison over at Nashville on Tuesday nights. And we'd have service over there with the prisoners. I was 13, 14 years old. And the first time I ever heard him sing this song, and, and it comes... Right out of this right here, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, glory and honor, Glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created, hast all things created, 
Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are created. Thou art worthy, O Lord. Simple verse of praise and worship to the Lord. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.